0: <clears throat> Hello everyone, and welcome to the, uh, the, <coughs> the Awkward Throat Player. Now here's your host, Aaron Cholico. Go going there, not after 30 podcast listeners this is Aaron Chalupa with Mike Lewis once again uh we are recording the awkward throat clear <clears> throat> ah, hmm. lovely oh so music to my ears so Mike tell me about this oh. beer we're pouring right now this is an across the divide hoffenweiss
1: yeah don't get too giddy about the hoffenweiss so this is the across the divide
0: so this is the Collaboration beer that uh, Jasper Brewing Company and Three Ranges Brewing Company uh, do together. Uh, I was not a part of this one though, so uh, give us a give us a down low. So let's make a certain little clarity to the do it together part. Essentially, what happens
1: is we actually, for this beer, this was the first one we didn't get drunk and decide on the recipe.
0: Well, that's the first thing wrong right there.
1: And that actually, now that I'm, I'm getting thinking about that, that's what fucked this year's up. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we did all this via scattered shot email. Uh, so we decided on the Hop vice. Um, the first year we did... what? What's that type of style, mind you? It's a hoppy wheat beer. Okay.
0: Um, but I don't have any fucking history No, nope, it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. No, just, just because it is a different language and, and uh, we, we might yeah, be dealing Holf, with some Holfen
1: new... Hopfen is the... Uh, I'm probably not pronouncing it right because I live... It's been a long time since I lived you're in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. And my German girlfriend broke up with me not long after I didn't after anyway. So uh Holfen is uh the German word for hops, Yep, and Weiss is the German
0: word for wheat. What it's actually white.
1: White. Weizen Weisen, yeah. Weisen, Weisen is, wheat, is wheat and then weiss correct. is yeah. I'm, yeah.
0: I'm learning German.
1: Oh, I've got family in Austria, so yeah, gotta so, learn a little bit, right? You're correct. It is the it's a hoppy white beer and The white beers are derived from the use of wheat Yes, of course White wheat vault Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. Um, So anyway, it's supposed to be uh, Fuck, a hoppy, cloudy Super carbonated beer
0: It's actually a really good style I haven't tried it yet, so Yeah Cheers Cheers
1: I haven't had it since we canned it
0: Oh, wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <What was that? laughs> well it's just uh, so uh, listeners when when you're drinking a beer yeah there's there's a uh, generally there's three parts to a beer when you're tasting it it's, it's how it hits the lips and tongue how it feel uh, the mouth feel of it and then the aftertaste so you you get a lot <laughs> in the so, middle <laughs> so go ahead and, and give me your
1: your review of this beer
0: well, the smell and the initial flavor are amazing. I'd love to have this in the summertime, in my yeah. opinion. But then all of a sudden, whew, the, sec- the second sip isn't nearly as intense because I think all my taste buds are dead. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a lot of hop. Uh, I think that's more hop than any of the beers that we made for the Cross like, the The other two beers we made for the Cross the Divide were mm. um, the Northwest Dark Wheat Ale.
1: Yes, that was which our is first the one, one I get... Fucking asked
0: about all the time. That was a good one. It was a great beer. And we should redo that and then kind of put a name mm-hmm. on it so it's. I am gonna. So it's a regional beer. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause that was our that was our idea. Like, let's do a beer that no one's done before, and then they make it a regional beer.
1: Mind you, all of this in my tap room after it was closed, and we're all fucking hammered.
0: Yeah, <laughs> lost recipes of drunken.
1: There was actually ties. one guy that wasn't drunk because he was the designated driver to go back to Jasper, and he was like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?"
0: <laughs> was that my buddy Scott? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good guy. Um, uh, what was I going to say there? Uh, the second, the second one, one was the the Belgian rye amber. Yes, that one was. I like that one a lot too. Yeah. But, I don't know, it, was just, it just wasn't the same. The no. first one was off, like, it's just digressing. Maybe I'll have to get back and help out with you guys. Well,
1: it was kind of, so it was interesting because the one significant difference between the breweries, like, we're an hour and a half apart, but the water is, a stark contrast to each yeah. other.
0: Yeah,
1: um, <clears throat> And then, yeah, and, then, and so, so then the, the background of this is we come together on the recipe but until last year, we, three ranges, weren't distributing in Alberta. And being that there's a provincial border there, near narrow shell, the fucking beer across the line, mm-hmm. um, I could put this beer into Alberta, but we don't make enough of it to yeah. do it. It's literally yeah. a one-off small batch. Yeah. So we brewed a batch in Valemount. we brewed a batch in Jasper. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where it stayed. And... It was just pretty much, you know, one group going to the other brewery, hanging out and drinking for the day. Because when you do a collaboration, you literally watch everybody else work, and then you clean the mash tun occasionally.
0: What's the name of the little pull-out uh, right at the beginning of Robson... uh, Not Robson Park there. Like, just just leaving Alberta border. It's it's really it's right on the border. It's got a little lake and a table and everything.
1: Yeah, I don't really know the name of it. I forget, it's, but
0: it's, it's right on the border. It
1: comes off of uh, the backside of of Robson, Burgliette. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I you know what you're talking about. I've always thought we
0: should have a little collaboration party there where we bring a keg from the Jasper and Company, it, and then we bring a keg from...
1: It would actually totally be tits to set up a homebrew system right there in that park. That'd be
0: perfect. That, listeners, you have no idea the laws and the yellow tape to get through when you're transporting yeast or beer or whatever. Yellow tape, red tape. Well, yellow from the yellow roast dates. Yeah. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Alright, so going back to my notes here. Oh,
1: so I was going to talk about this beer Oh yeah, the beer. Talk more about the beer. So here's there was confusion this year.
0: (laughs) The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Guys, like I wish you guys could try the beer. It is a mouthful of flavors and wonders it's it's un, it, it's unbelievable it
1: well here's here's okay so <clears throat> this is almost the same beer jo, uh, the head brewer there Jasper bought yeast that we shared this year but mm-hmm. when we actually got our pitch of the yeast it was not the yeast I expected
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a yeast I'd never worked with before that's
0: that's always a tricky thing
1: <clears throat> and what most people don't understand is yeast is it, and this is Michael's uh, whatever percentage I assign to it based on zero scientific experimentation. But it's like, it's about 30 to 40% of the flavor of a beer. Mm-hmm. People don't realize it. <clears throat> you go back to some breweries, like I know certain breweries use certain types of yeast. And I mean, even from a specific company, because I can taste it. Mm-hmm. And yeast is such a significant point of flavor in the beer. <clears throat> and so this yeast that he'd brought in i'd never used i had most of the time with when we do our half advice ice in, in the summer it's done with a specific type of yeast that can produce banana flavors like you get out of a lot of hef beers when it's fermented warmer but when you ferment it cooler it gives it a clove uh phenol that comes out of it which i really prefer yeah i've
0: always enjoyed a lot of like you know nice clove flavor in in many different styles right
1: so i tend to ferment my uh, wheat beers with a half strains of yeast cooler Mm -hmm. i fermented this beer cool 64 degrees fahrenheit so uh probably right around 14 15 14 degrees or something like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do all my brewing in Fahrenheit. That's fair. We we have we
0: actually have a good following of American uh, <clears throat> listeners, so it's it's not too not too terrible. Only, wait, what, only three countries in the world go with Fahrenheit and uh probably the, so. The Fahrenheit is so much more precise.
1: <clears throat> so um anyway, it came out banana as fuck. And so to be a hoppy beer
0: from the yeast esters.
1: Yes. Yeah. To be a hoppy beer, you—I'm sorry. There's there is no hop out there that produces banana flavors. You can get fucking mango and yep. stone fruit and other tropical of in shit. You're in not ones, yeah. banana out of anything. Yeah. So there's no way that I could argue that I hopped it for banana flavor. And the funny thing was, is I threw the better part of five kilos of hops in, yeah. <laughs> in into 600 liters of beer. That, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I could not even smell them. All I could smell was banana. What
0: kind of hops do you have in this beer?
1: And this one is all Ella with a little, not all, but uh, it's Ella with a New Zealand hop with a little bit of galaxy. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's some spice to it, which gives it a little more kick like those are kind of spicy Mm -hmm. and uh and slightly fruity hops but the kicker was is even this this is interesting the way it's conditioned in the can because even so anyway so that was so banana and i couldn't do it and there was nothing i could do to positively affect this beer and i dumped it and so
0: is that one of the hardest things for a brewer to do
1: not if you appreciate the quality of your beer as a selling point for it.
0: But it is always a little bit disappointing.
1: Well, it's disappointing in so much that you know you're dumping a little bit of money down the drain. But you're
0: keeping your integrity, though.
1: You're keeping your... Inte- well, it's not even your integrity. You're keeping the quality of your product. Mm-hmm. Because... A standard. Yeah, a standard. Like, a really good friend of mine named Sean Hoyne. Mm-hmm. He, from, when I... From Hoyne Brew? Yes. Yeah. When I was getting <laughs> ready to open... My brewery, we were talking and he goes, Michael, whatever you do, dump anything that is not to your standard because you never, ever, ever get the opportunity to make another first impression. Mm-hmm. He's like, when you go to open your doors, you better have the fucking beers that you want people to taste. Yep. After that, after you develop that reputation, you can put beers out that may not be super stellar. hmm. And you're going to be okay because you have a good reputation and people can forgive the occasional not-so-stellar beer. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of where I am with this beer. We do have money invested in the labels. I have a lot of money invested in the ingredients in this and that it's the second batch of it. And it's not a bad beer. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that will enjoy this beer. Is it what I wanted for this? Not exactly. But at the same time... Just because it's not what I want, because it's a one-off beer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm okay with that because I am completely okay with people understanding the craft of the business, the craft of understanding what brewing's like when shit kind of goes a little sideways and it doesn't turn out bad. This is not remotely undrinkable. I'm actually enjoying this better than I did on packaging day earlier you know in the
0: week. I almost reckon that this is, uh, it's something that I'd probably get better with age. Mm -hmm. I would say that for sure. Especially higher alcohol beers. I always find that if you wait a little while, it gets better. This is
1: uh, labeled at 7.2 or 7.3, and I think
0: we're a little closer to (laughs) 8. Well, well, thankfully, your wife's going to pick you up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, (laughs) for sure. The the interesting thing about this beer was that, so I had to order more yeast because I wasn't using that same yeast again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ordered in some dry yeast. Again, something I never used, but it was the short-term, least expensive answer. I brought it in. It ripped through this beer, mm-hmm. over attenuated, as you can see, because I know it's it's probably we're probably right at that half percentage point over that you can be within the allowable limits. Yeah. And uh, it ripped through the beer, but then it was all fucking bubble gum, which is another German yeast strain thing that they produce, and it's so weird yeah. and so. Again, we dumped like four and a half kilos of hops into this just to, match just the yeast to make sure that that yeast aroma of bubblegum isn't the predominant thing when yeah. you pull it out. So uh, I'm actually really happy because it's not
0: super bubblegum right now. No, uh, it's, it's a lot of tinkering, eh?
1: <laughs> it is. And I mean, you you look
0: at <laughs> it's, like, it's like making like a super stew and it's like, oh, a little bit too much of this. Oh, okay, maybe that'll mask it. Oh, too much of that. Oh, maybe a little bit more salt.
1: Every day is a little bit something different. No beer is ever perfectly the same, especially with the water we have because we have to make a lot of adjustments to our water to try and hit the mark of mm-hmm. repeatability. But uh, we ran out of a grain. Oh, shit. For our pilsner. So I was like, ah, okay. I can wing this shit. We can make it better. Or not better, but we can... Make a substitution. Yep. So I did. I forgot about it. <laughs> I thought we'd already gotten that beer through and sold it. Lo and behold, we had had a batch of Pilsner because we'd slowed down so much in the winter. Like mm-hmm. this thing was five weeks old sitting in the in the conditioning tank, which is great for a lager beer.
0: Yeah. Right? It's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Lager, German verb, to store, to keep cool. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: also the descriptor for a style of... Or a, a strain of yeast that is a bottom fermenting yeast. Yes. yes. And so, of course. Yes. And so, uh, it's packaging day. We're packaging Pilsner. It's not co- looking like it's carbonated correctly. I'm looking at this beer. I'm going, what's wrong? I am tasting it. Holy shit. This is a Pilsner. Something's wrong with this. So at the end of it, because of our production schedule and things like that, I couldn't afford to try and it didn't taste bad. It just wasn't our Pilsner. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything with this beer because I didn't have time and tank space to move it back and try and do something. So we dumped the beer. Yeah. Um, Later on that afternoon, I went back and was like, holy shit, this is the one I adjusted. Wow, that recipe sucked (laughs) in my effort to replicate our Pilsner. Yeah. Little did I know, <laughs> there's the foreshadowing, yeah. that we'd brewed Pilsner a couple of days prior. My assistant was not there the day that I made this recipe adjustment. Mm-hmm. However, prior to that, we'd been talking about adjusting the Pilsner recipe so that we're making our correct gravities. So he walks in the door and goes, oh, here's the adjustment. Mills it. We had already brewed that recipe Again. <laughs> so, next week, we're going to have a dry-hopped lager that goes on top.
0: <laughs> That'll be interesting. It is. It's really tasty. I'm enjoying it. You know, sometimes mistakes actually uh, turn out to be pretty good. They uh, do. Most like of mine, I can't replicate Champagne. That. Yes. That's a big mistake. It is. it became really popular. It is. But So, uh, that's the craft and brewing. There, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and... This is definitely interesting. So this is my first time trying the beer, and you know what? I uh, you you sold me on it, it was going to be just this uh, train wreck, but it's it's you know what? It's it's not bad. I don't mind it. I don't either. You I probably have one or two of them, and then after a while, it's yeah, just like I you think can't two would, two would probably be enough. You, you can taste anything ever again. But uh, thinking you can only buy in a four pack, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. not bad at all. Um, so yeah, getting back to business here. Um, so. We know why you moved to Valemount, more so with, um, you know, Rundy and starting the family here and the yep. ties to her parents. Uh, why do you find Vailmount a good place to start a brewing business?
1: Oh, God. Okay, so 2012, the epic federal budget cuts to parks. Yes. I lost my sugar mama. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so her job position was cut. We actually started shopping back in the States. I went to go look for... uh, I actually got offered a really good government contracting job. Um, But my wife was going to find it hard to move from Victoria to Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. Especially when we were there and it was July and just brutally hot and uh, epic thunderstorms at like 10 a.m. So we... uh, I said no to that job. We finally got to the point where we were house shopping back in Olympia, Washington, where I lived, to start a brewery. Um, It was going to be essentially something uh, in the same vein as the commons when um, he started his brewery. It was literally out of his garage on the weekends. Some of the best breweries Uh, are out of a garage. So, we were down, narrowed our decision down to three houses. I had an application in with the Washington State Police to be a dispatcher. Mm -hmm. And uh, her folks called and said, well, you know, we don't want to grow up, we don't want the grandkids growing up that far away from us. In the States. (laughs) So, speaking to her, you and your brother are going to split our property when we're gone so why don't mm-hmm. we just give you your half now yeah and we were like mm, holy shit let's see the whole origin of the brewing thing came from fuck let's move to Valmont yeah <laughs> so no. so there wasn't really a an entire business decision made behind it uh it was more of a lifestyle decision coming to Vailmount. yeah so yeah that was the drive really coming up here was just lifestyle close to automatic daycare and <laughs> and <laughs> and really starting small, somewhere that, you know, I probably didn't think that when we were starting it up, but when you look at the the rat race that is the lower mainland breweries, that is the Okanagan.
0: Competitive, you know. Yeah. It, it, it like definitely it's, in a small area, It's a too. tight,
1: tight market. Yeah. And it's just not my style. I'm not a salesman. No. I mean, can I go out and sell beer? beer? Not beer. Beer, yes, I can, but d- my sales method is really going to be to crack you one pour and be like, hey, if you like that shit, I got some for you.
0: <laughs> if not, have a great day. <laughs> you, you know? got, got a trench coat, open it up, and are like, hey, Mac, you want to buy a beer? <laughs> oh, no, I'm usually naked under the trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to see that, <laughs> But it, it, like, So, mount has been quite the, accept, the accept, accepting town to you as an outsider, Oh, my God. It was very funny. Uh, it, it seems like every day you go to the brewery, as soon as it hits 3 o'clock, people start filling up the place, and it seems it's just clockwork that people really uh, enjoyed the beer and they become loyal customers. We have... As usually happens in a small town. Yeah. You know, and, and they actually realize the product's good.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like It was very funny the day we opened... I just, uh, God, I remember standing up there, there was these two guys, and I still to this day don't know their names. I've seen them in town. There was two guys standing up there, and the glass company we had had just fucked us on our order, and we didn't get our tasting glasses. So I'm serving tasting flights, visually estimating a four-ounce sample in a 16-ounce
0: glass. Oh, how are they going to say it, A solo cup.
1: No, no. <laughs> I, it was hilarious because all we had were our sleeve glasses. Yeah. And so I'm trying to pour these little three or four ounce samples of three beers. So you got this guy up there. And it was funny because these two guys who drive around, no doubt they got a cooler in the back of their truck and it's filled 110% of the time, Budweiser. Yeah. All the time, even in the winter. Yeah. You know, and they drive around with that in their truck. They're diehard Bud fans. They want to see what the brewery's all about. <clears throat> so they come in there, and they're like, "Something's wrong with this beer." And I, you know, it's our very first day. I don't know anybody in town. Yeah. Although before I'd ever met a single soul really in town, I could walk into the grocery store and people would be like, "Hey, beer man," <laughs> <laughs> and it it was that. You know, after being in the military for 20 years, where you move around. Yeah. And you know the people in your unit, or nobody knows who the fuck you are. Yeah, yeah. Where you come into the small town, and people straight up know you, and what you do, before you have an inkling that they're even a local. Yeah. And you just kind of go, hey, yeah. how you doing? Yeah. Uh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> they <laughs> you know, know the car you drive, they know your <laughs> dog's name. They know where you live? Yeah. Hey, how do you like that house down there on 4th? Yeah. It sucks. There's only a wood stove in it. It's cold <laughs> as hell. So uh, what else want to
0: talk about? <laughs> uh,
1: no, I mean it. It's it, it was really interesting in that respect, and and knowing that I was gonna be, it was an education. Like mm-hmm. I was educating people constantly. Yeah, and some people just loved it because we were bringing a business to the town. Yeah, and some people hated it because they saw us as competition. Yeah. And some people just couldn't wrap their heads around it. And I mean, really, it's a 950-ish person town. And I think we have a consistent 200 customers out of that population.
0: That's fine. It, it that, was- that works enough for you when you are first starting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and now uh, you distribute throughout British Columbia and Alberta.
1: I don't say throughout. Throughout? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that it's not... Like, we're Highway 16 to... <clears throat> excuse me, to Smithers and potentially up to Terrace because I've got some requests
0: up there. Northern BC. Northern BC. I guess, I guess not throughout because you're probably not on Vancouver Island. Good. And we're not, not too we're not much past in Kamloops, dude.
1: No, not at all. I don't really want to be.
0: Well, there's no point, I suppose.
1: No, because I'm not going to... Because the thing is, I make quaffable beers for my customer base.
0: Very quaffable. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> uh... And that's my goal. And that's why, like, I entered my first couple of um, competitions Mm -hmm. when we opened the brewery. And the comments, and I had entered competitions as a home brewer. And I think it was was interesting as a home brewer because you'd see some of the comments and you kind of figured what you could take seriously and what you could not. And then I got my first uh, judging sheets back. As a professional brewer, having entered my beer and looking at the scores and getting really upset about it because I'm like, these are good beers. And then I'm like, well, no, you know what? I don't give a fuck about this because these don't, these people don't pay my bills. Yeah. Is it great to get, you know, the the golden tap handle or stuff like that? Yeah, Yeah, it would be. But, you know, like BC Beer Awards, they're they're awesome what they do for our business, Mm -hmm. except for... For me. I'm way the fuck in the middle of nowhere. That competition is held and judged by people that live in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. The beers that they drink in Vancouver are not the beers that my customer base drinks. No. And therefore, I appreciate those beers. I love a ton of those beers. But my beers will not compete with those mm-hmm. based on BJCP guidelines. Because my pale ale is probably a little lighter. My Pilsner, I will tell you, my Pilsner
0: is not as hoppy as it should be for a Pilsner. No, no. like it, Especially, um, well, you, you base yours off of a German Pilsner, correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It,
1: it's a German Pilsner, Pilsner style with a Northwest Of, of course. Because yeah, I yeah. finish it with, uh, with Willamette Hopkins.
0: Well, and this is always the thing. is because this podcast is so uh, worldly and nationally, internationally and all that stuff. Um, it, it's just hard for people to gauge what it can compare it to. So people in Toronto, it would be different than the steam whistle that you might be used to because that's a Czech-style pilsner, so it's a little bit more crisp. It has, um, what I, don't, I wouldn't say skunky hot flavor. You know, it, and sometimes some of the words we say aren't as appealing in the sound, but I actually love my Czech pilsners over G- German pilsners. Yeah, no, for, uh, Czech pilsners are... I find them a bit more refreshing where I find German pilsners a little bit more sweet. Yeah, they're sweet. And, and the hops <clears throat> usually aren't what I'm looking for. Yeah, no.
1: I yeah. mean, the Czech Pilsners are that crisp, not just in their carbonation, but crisp in that flavor profile of having that little extra bite, that yeah. little extra The origin of the Pilsner. To, no. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. It, but, you know, ours in that. Ours is a step up flavor-wise, from
0: Budweiser. hmm And that's what you get. And it's not watered down. <clears throat> it's not. And it's, I mean... The it's re- got flavor and a good, <clears throat> you know, ingredients, Bill. The,
1: the reality, too, is is when that Pilsner was launched, it was the hoppy, crisp Pilsner that I wanted. Yeah. And there were only a few people that really kind of latched onto that Pilsner, and I was like, oh shit. There should be more people drinking this. So I backed the hops down way down mm-hmm. started getting people drinking it yep. started getting regulars and then i started bringing them up
0: this has always been the thing that i've argued is number one you don't need to have a lot of hops in a beer to make a good beer yeah you know I I, I I know that i uh i, I, I would <laughs> I, I like i like to bug mike about how much he loves hops because um if you've ever been to the states if you have a double ipa there that's like a triple ipa in canadian it's like, it's like the exchange rate for currency <laughs> it It's is. a little bit more So you have an IPA here, it's a double IPA in the states You have a double IPA here in Canada It's a triple IPA in the states um, And I actually made a meme about Mike I'll have to share it on the podcast Oh it's god, god. Sorry, that
1: Mike. meme is still one Of the favorite memes that's ever been put on the I, I, think, I think I, I
0: think Rundi must have just been <laughs> laughing for a week When she saw that, because she liked it She shared it and everything So I, I'm, I'm quite proud of it, I definitely will uh, Send it to Anthony there so we can share it, but yeah, very, very funny. It was during one of our Across the Divide Brews. <laughs> I still can't get over that. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so number one is you don't need to have a uh, crap ton of hops to make a good beer. Uh, number two, you know, I, I've always been a guy for balance. Like, I, like a, I, like a, yeah. I like, you know, a nice even amount of uh, hops and malt. I've always been a big fan of English-style beers where they have that nice balance between malt. And hops, Like, you know, you get some really nice English bitters. You get some nice, um, uh, you get a nice, uh, IPA. It just, they taste so well, uh, great mouthfeel. You get a nice toffee you Get the nice, um, you know, a pine needle kind of taste and everything too. Yeah. So, and thirdly, if you're, you as a brewer, are you're not making the beer that you want? Well, you kind of are, you're kind of making a beer you want, But at the same time, you're not selling a beer to the people that you think is awesome, amazing. You want them to think it's awesome, amazing. So if you're like, oh, well, I want to have all the hops in the world in this and just make this big hop bomb of beer, is that what's going to sell? You know, even with your lager, you want to make a lager that appeals to the mass. See, this is... Population. And this is where... It's got to be a healthy balance.
1: It has to be a healthy balance, but this is also where the 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 disconnect is between the business of brewing and the beer geek. Mm-hmm. I love the beer geek. The beer geeks are the ones that drive. Like I'm a beer geek. They well, drive. They, they drive the craft. They brewing. drive the industry. Yeah. But for me to brew my IPA, and the fact that I brew a 300 liter batch, and in a single batch. From start to finish, well let me back up. For the for the twelve, eleven and a half hectoliters, from the start to finish, there's like seven kilos of hops in this in this beer. For me to brew that with the slim margin that I do on that beer, because I use expensive hops that make a flavor profile that I like and want to drink mm-hmm. I brew the Pilsner because my margin on that beer is significantly better yeah. and so this is the business side of it to say no it's not a fucking Czech Pilsner but it's a Pilsner that sells it kills in in nobody in, in Jasper listened to this but
0: <laughs> in, uh... there might be a few people
1: it, no, but it, I'm just saying. No, no, it's fine. In our first, we we entered the Jasper market in April, mm-hmm. and in a single liquor store. From April to the beginning of September, our pilsner sold 526 packs.
0: And I'm not surprised. There's a huge following for three ranges in Jasper.
1: Well, exactly. But I mean, when you look at that, like 526 packs. Well, that's probably you know. You look at how much traffic I do in my tap room in the summer, and you've seen it. Like, that's probably two-thirds of what I sell out of my tap room. Mm -hmm. And, like, holy shit, that's a huge amount of beer. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that and you go, okay, well, that's where the margin is. That's what keeps the business afloat. That allows me to brew the double IPA, the stupidly overhopped, crazy yummy as fuck double IPA mm-hmm. that I'm sitting in a tank right now. Like that's the kind of thing where you have to you have to make that balance. Yeah. So when I take that pilsner and I send it to a competition and they boo you know boohoo all over it that it's not to standard and it's not this and that, well what's the point? I pay a hundred dollars for that entry? I'm like, eh fuck off. Whatever.
0: It yeah. pays the bills. No, for sure. No, I completely agree with you. <laughs> But you know when I was working in the Johnson Brewing <laughs> Company, the blueberry vanilla beer. You know, I might have that once or twice. It is not my favorite. And, but, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad beer, but it's not my favorite. I, I might have it uh, one pint in a month just to see how it's going kind of thing. I'll finish the whole pint. But it was, cool. never, it was never my favorite. But it sold really well. It, it's probably the most popular beer in the summertime by far. Um, but I'm not going to take that recipe and twist it into a way that I like it. Because it sells well, that a lot of people love that beer. So I'll let that go. But there's other beers that I do love, like the sixty sixty stout in Jasper. I think is one of the best stouts, in my opinion, in Alberta. Uh, very, very good. Uh, I, I've, had, I've converted a few guys. You know, maybe they're lying to me just to pump my tires or not. But I've had a few guys, Irish guys, say that it was better than Guinness. So that makes me feel pretty good about the beer that I'm making um and it's a beer that i i like and i stand by too i even have a (laughs) t-shirt but that's the point i was getting across you know yeah you can't just knock off the beers and only make beers that you strictly like because you know yeah you're gonna make a few people happy but you want to make as many people happy as possible and sell a product that you a like and then yeah to other people really like you
1: can't be embarrassed about a beer But you have to be proud of a beer that's going to sell to your market and make a profit for your business.
0: Reward and compromise. Exactly. And
1: sometimes when you do that and when you balance it out well, which is in the case of, you know, our Pilsner, it sells and it sells in copious amounts and it's on tap in places and it, it... i i I love that beer because of what it does for us name wise Mm -hmm. and i can tell you too like every one of my employees have come to work for me and most of our regulars when they walk in the door and they're pilsner drinkers i'm like in six months you're gonna be drinking our pale ale and if you're my employee in six months you're gonna be drinking ipa yeah
0: and they do well, and that's the progression. Of, like, that's why craft brewing is so awesome. because it's delving you, into the darkness. <laughs> you get it, and then you're like, what else is there? I or need more. I, I need more. <laughs> <laughs> All that hop stank. Uh, yeah, so like, in, uh, your, your curiosity peaks, of course. Like My brother, um, who's uh, well soon to be married uh, to uh, one of your employees, when he was growing up, he was just, You know Northern Alberta drinking, you know, lager, Budweiser, Coqini, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But as you get more immersed and you travel more, you you start trying out new things. You know, like it goes for food and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, a little bit of culture, a little bit of that, a little little this and that. So when Courtney's working at Three Ranges and he gets a little bit of a discount, you know, trying beers or he gets in the Mug Club and all that kind of stuff, he's gonna want to try more and more and more. Uh, so, you know, further down the rabbit hole, oh, oh, what's this nice, uh, Belgian if, say song? If she comes with? and works on the a Hibiscus flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't make it, yeah. No, 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 but, but you get what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. though. Like, you're going to try it. You're going to yeah, try it. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, but, I mean, if she comes to work on a canning day and goes home with, with, you know, low fills. Yeah.
0: Because. Why not try
1: it? Yeah. yeah. He's not going to know what's in that can until he cracks it and pours it. Exactly. and Exactly. Oh, well, that's a darker color.
0: And it, one, of my, one of my least favorite things is when uh, people say, oh, I don't like hoppy beers. Well, what about hops don't you like? Because not, not all the hops I are the same. I don't like stouts because they're so heavy. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> no, man, I could drink Guinness all day. Yeah. All day. I could probably have like 20 pints of Guinness compared to like a triple IPA or a double IPA or even your lager. Ugly girls need love, too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's just be
0: clear. Stouts, you know, there's this misconception that dark beers are so heavy in alcohol, where well they're not. Mm, uh, mm. You know, if you go to the Czech Republic, they make funny if you're drinking a dark lager, because they think that's a girl's drink, because they're less in alcohol because of the roast. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've explained this before in uh, old, uh, old episodes, but... Uh, for beercation but no no it's, it's it's funny it's really funny when people start drinking beer you, you get them hooked on the the things that they know the lager the pilsner the pale ale <clears throat> and or the blonde ale and then they start drifting like oh ipa oh wait what kind of hops are in that ipa oh they're different hops this time oh where are they from kind of yeah. thing so I've, I've always been a big fan of that when people are asking it's like well this is a little bit different than the previous one what have you changed? because i like that is there another one that could happen with like that? What do you recommend at a liquor store? Yeah. So that's always the fun thing. Well, I and
1: see. that's that's always been part of my effort at growing the palate of my customer base because for a while there I would actually go into our liquor store, which is directly across the street, mm-hmm. and order certain things in that I knew would end up with a certain quantity on the shelf. And when they came in, <clears throat> I'd, you know, buy some, drink them, whatever. And then I can stand there at my bar and pour somebody a beer and go, well, you know, if you like this, you could walk across the street and also try, and then it becomes this point of comparison. So, you know, if you like this IPA, well, maybe go try a wandering camel from Barkerville.
0: Yeah. and And it's always a friendly competition as well. Oh yeah. Like craft brewing, the main enemy is macro. Yeah. You know, and so it's, and obviously you want your business to succeed. So you're like, okay, you know, try this beer out. But, hey, you like that beer so much, you're going to come to me because you're local. But another beer, if you want to try it out, check out these guys. So
1: my analogy is always this. (laughs) Some people blush when I say this, and I don't really totally get it. But the the reality exists that as a a craft beer brewer, Mm -hmm. my customer base is promiscuous. I completely understand that they're going to go out and drink a shit ton of other beers. I want to be the beer they come home to at night. Yes. I want to be the beer in the back of their refrigerator (laughs) when they're done for the evening and they want to have that one more beer or their friends come over and they want them to try their
0: favorite beer. Yes. Yes. You want to be the one they pull out of the fridge. There's nothing that makes me happier than the idea of somebody that loves that beer so much. It's their beer. Yeah. You know, like it's their go-to. They have it in the fridge all the time. It's always stocked. And when they're empty, they freak out. They have a panic attack kind of thing. That is... The dream.
1: It, it, and it's hilarious to me because I love our customers who walk in and go, well, you're just the best beer there is. And I go, well, what have you fucking tried lately?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and they and they look at me like, well, I don't drink anything else. Well, how do you know that it's the best beer there yeah. is then? Yeah. And that's the point where the customers that I respect the most and I really appreciate go out and say, oh, I was in such and such town and I tried this beer, or that beer, Oh, my God, you you make such great beer, Mm -hmm. you know, and it depends on what they were trying. You know, I might actually go, oh, I I, I love that beer. I don't know. You know, but in the end, you're like, holy shit. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Because at least I know you're out there drinking stuff and you're making the comparison and coming back and telling me that
0: you appreciate what I'm doing. I heard a comparison from uh, one person that they compared us to uh, Driftwood. And that sent me over the moon. I love Driftwood Brewing Company. Oh, I know. Uh, J- yeah. Jason, he's uh, I've done a few beer shows and he's been next to us, and he's a great guy from Edmonton. So yeah. we, we we talk Alberta shop there, but Jason and Kevin, well, the whole crew. Like I I um, I haven't met the, t- the two other owners, but Jason is a pretty funny guy. For yeah, sure. but well, yeah. that beer is just wicked.
1: It is. Yeah. They are. They're such a great crew. I love Kevin and Gary and Ian and uh, they're who. <laughs> I was hanging out with Ian at uh Brew Loops last year he guy was so sick. I felt so bad for oh, him. that's the worst. <laughs> but he's standing out there, he's pouring uh their halt from Vice entangled, which is a uh, which is actually a great beer, I, Like I wouldn't compare these two at all. That's a no, phenomenal no, beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is really a blast to rip your palate off. It's
0: pretty Yeah, you know, like, I'm just trying to think of like something that this would go really well with. I was like usually one of my big Things for anything hoppy Is turkey uh, They call salt. it the dryness salt so, so like some kind of Salted pork or uh, Actually you know what Some kind of Asian food Probably really good with this
1: It probably would be Yeah It probably actually Really would be I mean And this is the funny thing Like I You know I'll be the first type if, I have, if I'm having a bad beer And this is I was telling Aaron before He came on the podcast I was like Dude if this beer sucked I gotta be honest about it Cause like holy shit I wasn't really that happy During the candy <laughs> yeah, The other day yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't suck. Yeah. It doesn't.
0: No, no. I, I'm actually happy with it So, you know what? Uh, it, it, the way you were selling it to me before, when like, you had all these flats, <laughs> it, like, it just made it sound like it was going to be in storage forever. Like you're going to be selling it till next year, kind of thing. But well, we were, I think it'll sell well. I think it will. Uh, it, it, you have a few hop heads here in town, so.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: yeah. And, it and if it lasts nice. till spring, then mm. that's even good, too, because it, it'll suit the weather then. Yeah. Well, that's true, too. So after talking about this, is, uh, <laughs> this is a surprise—the uh, accident of a child. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, a funny part. W- are, what what beers are you proud of that you've made that really stand out? Um, Either proud like, of for why? Well, well, you know, like uh, for <coughs> what they mean, uh, beers that you really enjoy drinking. So I love our tail slap. Um, That's the IPA It's it's our
1: IPA Yeah And um, Funny story I'm in my backyard I'm brewing Uh, Actually let me back up So my oldest uh, Sister Brings her youngest child To Canada 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 And uh, this is when we lived in Victoria. So I transitioned from my one gallon brew system to uh, a 15 gallon Blickman system. And uh, at this point, I was actually taking I'd set up a whole fucking draft system at our short bus hockey league and all they drank was my beer oh wow (laughs) yeah everybody quit bringing beer because i had kegs of beer and i didn't have to pay for any ice time because i just supplied beer that's a
0: great deal
1: (laughs) it is there were always two kegs two flavors on tap and it was all locked up in this little box in the ring so it was always cold it's pretty awesome so um anyway my nephew comes up and he wants to do a brew and he's Oh God! At the time, he was
0: fourteen, I think, or thirteen. Perfect age to start brewing.
1: Yeah. So. I was eight. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs>
0: go. I was
1: thirty-eight. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he was so keen, and so I was getting kind of frustrated because I was doing some other stuff too, and it, it was just kind of imposed on my schedule. And I was like, "Ah, fuck, whatever. We'll brew. Okay." Yeah. So, I thought about it, and I was like, what do I want to brew? What do I want to brew? What do hops do I have? I'll brew this beer. It'll be really hoppy pale ale, kind of IPA, whatever. Brew the beer. Fuck if it wasn't my favorite beer. Like, it was this super flavorful, and so this goes back to the kind of the same belief I have. You know, you go to Portland, and, and the hops, like, they have such a competition to rip your face off. Yeah. And I just don't believe in that. Yeah, when it comes to the IPA, It was a hobby, pissing contrast. Yeah, it, it evolved into that yeah. for a while. I think I do believe in hoppy. I do believe in bitterness, but I yeah. want a bit of a
0: balanced bitterness. Of course, of course. But
1: what's my the point? Belief, what's the point
0: of having a malt bill if you're just going to cover <laughs> it with hops?
1: Well, yeah. And my belief with the IPA is is that it should explode with flavor and aroma. Mm-hmm. That is what I want out of it. Is that I'm going to add a crap ton of hops. Mm so that you taste it and smell it mm. and so we that day I was like ah fuck I just put this in there and put this shit in here and just ah fuck whatever dump it in there you're getting on my nerves kid just don't burn yourself which he did anyway <laughs> um so we uh we ended up brewing this beer and it was amazing and it sort of evolved into our tail slap and so, I just love this beer. And even more so now, because I ran out of a hop. I yeah, I get my inventory systems a little jacked up at times. I work really hard to try and keep it straight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it fails. So, I ran out of a hop. We just had to brew our IPA because we were behind. But, hey, I had this random hop that I'd brought in because I heard it was good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I brewed it with it, and I might now have a permanent change. Because... Uh, fuck it's yummy yeah and so uh, I really yeah I love that beer Um, other beers I'm proud of is the fact that I keep making derailed pale ale because or I keep making our pale ale because it's a I'm now on my second name with this beer and it's a consistent issue with trademarks (laughs) do you you
0: feel like diving into that the short like with with a brief uh, story of that
1: Oh, God, I don't know. Which, the, the original? Yeah. Not really, I think. I, because, the, because the humor is is that, uh, well, the reality is, is that there's only so many names out there. Of course. And we all run into the issue, and there's this kind of belief in the craft beer industry that we all kind of work together, and we're all pretty cool, and you just kind of work shit out.
0: Especially in the craft brewing industry, Especially
1: sure. in the craft brewing industry, you just kind of figure shit out. Because, you know, nobody will really wants to, say, we're, we're all working against the man. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, completely agree.
1: And that's
0: not always the case. Sometimes there's <laughs> that one guy who's just...
1: Sometimes there's that one guy that's just a fucking asshole.
0: Yep. We'll, and... leave, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I know the company you're talking about. Uh, I've heard the story before. And... I've never been a big fan of them beforehand. And after you told me that, I'm like, well, that's sold. I have not bought a six-pack or anything. Oh, my fucking them.
1: assistant does.
0: He's no. such an
1: asshole. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Uh,
1: they don't make any good beer. Well, no, but he's he's beer-curious. The, 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 the red is okay. He's beer-curious, and I give him uh, that, yeah. and I give him props for, you know, trying stuff. So, um, it, no, but really, you know, all right, you're going to make me do it. Uh, our nope. sacrifice. Oh, you're going to talk about the sacrifice? Well, yeah, some beers I'm proud about. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, our sacrifice
0: red is the, uh, it is my pet project, yeah. um, because and I'm just gonna cut off here. The sacrifice red ale is probably my favorite red ale in Canada. I told you this before. Fucking love that beer. I'm but blushing, Kevin. My brother, my, my brother Kevin and I, we love that beer so much uh, that it's always the beer that I get growler filled. Sadly, it was empty today, but you had cans, so that was good. I did. But it is fantastic beer. Do you and know why? And the story behind it is even better. Because I always put it in the can. Yeah? Just to make sure, right? Just to make sure. That's good. That's <laughs> good. No, I'm happy, I'm happy to hear that. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, tell, tell us the story about, the, the wonderful story about the Sacrifice Red.
1: So the Sacrifice Red Ale is dedicated to uh, service members and veterans and their families. Uh, and we take a percentage of the proceeds of that beer and donate them to uh, charities and other things that support the uh, those soldiers and veterans and their families. Um, and it kind of... The genesis of this beer... Well, my assistant, um, who served in the Canadian military, um, he wanted to make something, uh, kind of akin to this, but, you know, dedicated to, or I don't know, built around the idea of, of service and me being a veteran. When I left the service, I kind of just disconnected, like stepped away from it, <clears throat> but he kept pushing and pushing. And, um, because I am on a, a, military pension there all of a sudden hit this moment where, uh, again, with, Federal budget cuts in Canada. When I moved up here, by the way, I'm, I'm a disabled US veteran. Uh, when I moved up here, I had to go on the Canadian VA system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is fine. And it's once I've kind of figured it all out, I, I got in there. And being in Vailmount, I don't have a service center that I have access to anyway. Well, the closest one would be in
0: Kamloops? No. No, No. it's not. (laughs) Oh, dear.
1: Back when there used to be 37 service centers in the country, there might have been one in Kamloops or PG or fuck who knows where. Yeah. But through these budget cuts, they all of a sudden went from 37 to 9. No? Yes. Oh, wow. Mind you, at the same time, literally within three months of each other, the Canadian... Government Cut their VA system And they're like Oh we're gonna do shit online And you can call somebody And it'll be fucking amazing I think I know what government this is Uh yeah So <laughs> But at the same time There was A deal Brokered over a fucking budget A federal budget And two Senatorial douchebags From either side of the aisle In the US mm-hmm came together, one of them being a center of a state I'm in, and I fuck will not vote for her ever again. Um, they came together and cut uh, pension, pensions and cost of living raises for veterans on pensions so that they could make a fucking budget and so that was a point in which I just kind of lost my shit over this, and I was like, you know, if nobody else, if nobody else is going to take care of us, after all the shit that we've done, mm-hmm. then you know what? This is this is my mission. So it kind of reinvigorated me a little bit. I got a little bit back to the community, and I'm like, no, we're going to do this. So we created the Sacrifice Red Ale, um, and. You know, I, I, I can't give you the verbatim of, of the story of the beer on the bag. That's but, fine, that's fine. But essentially, you know, the, real, the, the story is that the, the color is is about the sacrifice that was made. Um, the bitterness in the beer speaks to the bitterness of loss and the pain that, that the veterans and the soldiers and the families experience and then it's got a bit of a citrus finish for the limit of a deal that our governments hand us once we fucking walk away from that, that life with the expectation of, you know, our sacrifice being worth something. Yes. And uh, and so that's a, a beer that I, I am proud of because we've, you know, we spent our first two years with that beer donating to alternating military, or, uh, U.S. and Canadian veterans charities Mm -hmm. um, every month. And I was really happy with that, but I felt like it got a little scattershot kind of that way. And um, I experienced some personal issues um, at the end of 2015 and last year. And in reconnecting a little bit to my veteran community, which kind of tightened me up with some other veterans in Northern BC, I was introduced to a guy named Paul Nichols, um, who did the the ride across Canada, and he has a he has an organization called Communities for Veterans
0: for, for a ride across Canada. Is it motorbike or no? Cycling? Horseback. Horseback. Okay. He
1: rode from the Capitol building in Victoria. Yep. Uh, All the way to Halifax Wow On horseback
0: And that was like Just along the side of a Transcan or No They did
1: some cross country They did uh, Off highway They did uh, A lot of Mixture of Areas They rode through Downtown Toronto Oh right on Like it it was So the purpose of Communities for Veterans Is to reintroduce The Canadian people To their veterans Yes Yes to get away from the idea that a Canadian veteran is 90 years old. Because they are. Yes. But they're
0: not all. A veteran could be 24. That.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing is like we've had situations, not we, I, I, I won't speak on uh, as me as on my behalf, but there are situation stories I've listened to where... Uh, young guys have gone in To a legion And been turned away Because they're not a veteran Yes And it's just like Are you fucking kidding me Like he's got an a ID card
0: Yeah He, might, he might not have so served In say Afghanistan Or Well no, went overseas but, Or something like that But uh, he was a member
1: But there's this con- There's this There's kind of a A built in thing In people's heads that, that The last time Canadian forces were At war
0: mm-hmm.
1: Was World War II
0: or Korea or something. Or Korea. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it's not. No. Because one of the significant misconceptions is peacekeeping. Yeah. Peacekeeping means you actually have to keep the peace. It doesn't mean it's all fucking peaceful.
0: And it's it's very ironic that you're saying that uh, we we in Canada I'm sure in the states as well that these peace uh, you know um, this newer generation to war or, you know not the World War Two. And some of them still World War One um, uh, veterans. Can uh, peacekeeping is a Canadian idea, like that was established. Uh, yeah. And that's almost a little bit scarier than actually being, you know, part of the army because a lot of those, sorry, a lot of those peacekeepers, the blue <laughs> helmets, they don't have a gun.
1: No, they. Well, they all have a gun, but the problem is, is they don't have a mandate. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when you look at um, my my friend Paul, and that's Nichols, a lot of
0: stress as well.
1: It's a huge amount of stress. When yeah. you look at my friend Paul Nichols, um, he was uh, with the uh, um, PBCLI, the Prince of Patricia Light Infantry, yes, yes, out of Edmonton. Yep,
0: um, celebrated their hundredth anniversary. Uh, I think two years ago now.
1: Yeah. So if a military Folks are listening to this. I'm sorry. I'm I'm still really learning my my. I'm sure they'll Canadian, forgive and they'll Canadian be.
0: Canadian military. They'll be um, stoked that you're men- uh, mentioning them and you're <clears throat> speaking for them as well.
1: So, uh, he was in Bosnia in '93. Yeah. And Operation Medak Pocket mission. Right. So it was a shit show, and eventually their mandate was changed, and they took off their blue helmets. And they actually entered a a conflict. But people don't comprehend that they don't see that. Like, I've been a peacekeeper, a NATO peacekeeper in Kosovo. i got to be honest. Like, I've served four tours in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some worse shit in peacekeeping in the Balkans than I did in the Middle East. Yeah. Now, mind you, I've seen shitty stuff in both places. Of course. But... It's like, well, holy fuck. Well, there's no difference. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And so for people to, to understand that and understand the battle that these soldiers face, not just in theater, but when they come back. And, it, you know, I, I read an article the other day in Canada from... Uh, Four years of being involved in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan lost 148 soldiers, I believe. Mm-hmm. More than that, have taken their own lives after coming out of theater. Yeah. Since they've been back, so the impact of those things and making making people aware of that and understanding what today's veterans are about and there's more peacekeeping on the horizon there's more stuff that's going to happen yep. as you know the middle east devolves and all this other shit in the world goes down it's starting to
0: war is such an ugly thing to be used because so many people are against war nowadays they just want to play it as a peacekeeping mission even though it still is you go there a war zone
1: yeah well, I mean, look people at people are dying. Look at the states. You know, we've had this kind of non-committal, shitty, whatever attitude in Syria. We're gonna kind of be there, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And now there's boots on the ground, and it's like, well, fuck, holy shit. Mm-hmm. But guess what? What's their mandate? What's their mission? What's the mm-hmm. end state?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, I, I digress in that. Paul Nichols. We'll get into that another in, time. In, uh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, not in the podcast. Uh, Paul Nichols, though, his his program with Communities for Veterans is this reintroduction um, to get the, can, the Canadian people introduced to their veterans and get some of these veterans who are suffering out of their hole and introduced back into their society so that they can start reconnecting. And through this, he also runs uh, at his place in Quinell, an equine therapy program mm-hmm. to help some of these guys deal with some of their operational service inj- uh, injuries PTSD etc um and it, it, yeah they're just amazing people and so my point is is is, we went scattershot with the last couple of years alternating these charities this year our focus is on that and a couple other uh, Organizations um, One being the shirt that I'm wearing Pilgrim Bandits uh, I was going to ask about that Yeah Canada um, Pilgrim Bandits is actually a UK organization oh. uh, a, a, a Originally organized by uh, Their um, couple of SAS guys mm-hmm. Special operations <clears throat> To Help give these guys That have come back Wounded or disabled uh, either physically or emotionally a new mission yes and they don't give them the opportunity to just sit on the couch it's like you want it you want a new mission let's go good we're gonna go paddle around the fjords in in iceland yeah. like you're gonna go you know and say they do these seriously physically challenging um adventures with them to kind of bring them back into the world a little bit and
0: well with the military like throughout the training and then your life is <clears> very <throat> physically active you yep. know so it's like after when you get these guys that come back <clears> home <throat> with no you know routine or discipline to keep that and they might relax a little bit you know that, that, that just adds fuel to the flame I imagine yeah so uh, or fuel to the fire I should say so getting them to do these ac- activities as a group as a team kind of brings them back into that camaraderie, I'd imagine, right?
1: Yeah, it does. And, you know, last year the Canadian or BC chapter, they did um Oh, actually, I think the whole organization now, the UK even. <clears throat> they uh paddled the Yukon River. Oh, right on. Um <laughs> that's that's quite the feat. Yeah, and I think uh one of the guys on that trip I'm not going to lie about it You have to go look online Okay (laughs) I don't Because one of the guys On that trip um, Was an amputee Either a single Or double amputee Okay (coughs) Excuse me Um, The local The chapter Out of PG Took uh, Prince George Yeah sorry Prince George Took a young veteran um, Out of Esquimalt Who's paralyzed From the waist down Mm -hmm. Or actually A little higher Than the waist down um they uh cycled from Lake Louise to
0: Jasper. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. They did a big uh excuse me, a big cycling trip.
0: So- I, I, I did Jasper to Valemount and that's a lot of downhill. That's only 126 kilometers. That's like all down. And I, not all I of think it, not all You were crying it. when you got to the No, I, you weren't open. That's why I was crying. It's because I was looking for the <laughs> beer and you were close. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I even, could have called I me. even, I did call you and it was a message. I was like 10 clicks out of town and I'm like, Mike. I'm on my way. I need a I beer. Need beer.
1: <laughs> was I? What was I doing that
0: day? Uh, I think you you're, you're, I think you had a picnic with your family or something like that. Oh, so. damn family. I, yeah, I know they always get in the Fan way. Damn family. If, if, if they were gone, we'd just be together forever. It'd be wonderful. But uh, yeah, so 126 kilometers, and I would say a good 26 kilometers is downhill. Really? And is I was. That and I was the exhausted. Give 26. I would say 26. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of uphill, mind you. Especially on the Jasper the Alberta side. Anyway, I, all I'm saying is that Lake Louise to uh to Jasper, that's a hell of a ride. And especially that route from yeah. the, like that direction, because you have that toilet bowl where you oh. go up for like probably a good three kilometers and mm-hmm. it's just a long enduring uh <clears throat> incline. So props to them. Like wow, yeah, yeah. that's unbelievable.
1: <clears throat> no, they did some mad stuff. So yeah, they're they're um they took another guy off the island paddling around Greenland. Yeah. Or Iceland. Iceland last year. Okay. So yeah, they do great stuff. And then we support um, our legions.
0: Yes. Yes,
1: of course. So the the Vailmount Legion we support and our other really close chapter is the Jasper Legion.
0: Yeah. So So being an American veteran or and like now Canadian uh, Canadian resident, right? Yep, yeah, permanent yeah, okay. resident. Permanent <laughs> <laughs> resident. Uh do you attend this chapter of the Legion? Yeah, I'm a member of the
1: Legion. Okay. I'm, an, I'm an associate member. Okay, cool. Kind of, so the total American ending was like, I can't swear allegiance to the Queen, we got to square this <laughs> Let's make sure that I can get in there without actually having to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I pissed a lot of people off when I said that. I could imagine. Probably the older folks, eh?
1: Yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah. I actually get curious about it quite a bit.
0: So the Sacrifice Red Ale, um, <laughs> very proud of that because you would, uh, your assistant uh, uh, assistant brewer, both veterans and a portion of the
1: proceeds. are. Yeah. So this year the proceeds are mostly being accumulated for the communities for veterans and then we're also for legions and for Pilgrim Bandits Canada.
0: And just touching on veterans as well um, for supporting veterans, I, for my friends that have served or are serving uh, Which by the, military, the way,
1: veterans includes RCMP. Just.
0: Yeah, yeah, RCMP, military, police, sheriffs, peace officers Peace officers as well, I imagine
1: They don't fall under federal service
0: Oh, yeah, they would be more so. But yeah. you know what,
1: Then blue line, support them <laughs>
0: No, totally, of course, PTSD goes further than just military for sure
1: So, you know, if you ever want an interesting take on PTSD Without delving super into it Um... White Coat Black Arts is a CBC podcast. BC specific, I think. And last year they had a very interesting episode. My wife uh, had saved for me about PTSD and about first responders. uh, Some EMTs. Mm -hmm. And this one um, was a Woman, 10 or 12, 15 years or something doing it. And she had started doing paintings as kind of her therapy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the podcast was just really interesting in the discussion around how it affects... You know, we think about kind of the conversations driven right now around PTSD and mm-hmm. service members. But, you know, the reality exists of like, you know, even these EMT first responders because this one guy... Uh, who'd been an EMT for paramedic for 20-something years, I think, if I remember correctly. And he's like, yeah, it's like your sock drawer. You know, every one of your episodes or, or scenes that you go to is a pair of socks, and you roll them up in a ball, and you put them in your drawer. And after so long, you open the drawer up, and you put a pair of socks in there, and then the drawer won't close anymore. And then eventually, all those socks start popping out. Yeah, and it was just like, "Holy
0: shit!" Hmm.
1: Like that's an analogy that kind of connects the dots,
0: I think, for a lot of people. And you
1: just go, "Wow." Well, okay. everyone has socks. Everybody has socks. Yeah,
0: something that we just hold on to too long, but
1: yeah,
0: bulls um, and all. What, what, I was, what I was getting before is um, for for my friends that have served and our veterans. <laughs> I would say you're one of the more vocal ones about PTSD. And supporting veterans of all kinds, you know, not just the, you know, like not to take away from the, um, uh, you know, the generation of World War II or Korea or Vietnam for the States. But, you know, the, the, the newer guys, you know, the guys that have served in Afghanistan, Iraq, um, you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, well, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> all, all, all I'm saying is that um, you're very vocal about it, especially on social media. You know, I, I remember seeing you do that. What is it? Uh, push-ups for PTSD awareness? Oh yeah uh, You've done that a few times um, I got bumped From one of my other buddies um, I'm not One really To, to kind of Do push ups Well <laughs> no, Being a fortunate firefighter We do a lot of those But uh, I, I, I didn't really want to Post a video Or anything like that uh, After the whole uh, Bucket challenge I was like oh, Okay People are just kind of Doing this Just to get the Image thing But I, I did support the cause So I Donated To Wounded Warriors um, who are Canada, all- right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. there's wounded warriors in the states is a pile of shit.
0: Oh really? Oh, that's that's upsetting here.
1: They're okay. yeah, they're. Uh, you do a lot of reading and research on them, and mm-hmm. and I I won't say I, I I'm sorry I probably shouldn't say a pile of shit. They have done some good work, but there's a. I, bl- I believe that based upon uh, the reading I've done that there's a lot of misappropriation and way too much hierarchy.
0: And there are a lot of in. charities like that. Yeah. So when I was doing research on a, on a charity to look for, I asked a few of my veteran friends or friends that are serving. Yeah. you know, And they asked around their um, their buddies and stuff that they're serving with. And that was general consensus is that wouldn't worse. Because my mom is one that likes to, she she's, she's a bit older and she has so much shit in her house. That she doesn't need any more of that stuff So she likes to do charities from yep. all the kids So two of the charities that I support the most uh, Wounded Warriors uh, my, gra- my, uh, my great-grandfather served In the military in World War I And then my uh, grandfather on my mom's side Both both on my mom's side My grandfather on my mom's side uh, He was an RCP officer So I do like to do war- Wounded Warriors And then because my brother and I Force your firefighters I'd like to do Canadian Fallen Firefighters Foundation yeah and um, so I, I go between those guys a lot so I was doing the research for ruined warriors they look after the veterans um they do lots of cool little programs like we were talking about before uh usually fishing trips and stuff like that yeah so uh I donated to that and you know bumped onto some other people as well so you know <laughs> trying to keep that chain going as well and you know yeah. making it aware and a lot of provinces have been kind of jumping into that as well um definitely want to get into that more uh my my plan was to cover the brewing and then we're going to get this but this is this is really good too so they kind of get an idea um listeners get an idea of uh who you are and what your passions are and honestly mike it's, it's it's really great for you to share with us uh on your experience and your passions so uh we're gonna we're gonna cut this episode off at this point long one thanks for staying with us guys Uh, But we're going to continue on, uh, hopefully, with another chapter. And then Mike's going to have to probably get going to get some Betty by, so that he can uh, get ready for the trip with the kids and the wife, because I'm sure that's going to be a long day.
1: Uh, It is. Hey, just because we're... We may revisit this topic again, but um, just because we're discussing it, if people are actually curious about... Please go ahead. Charities that I've... uh, as a, I personally and as a business have donated to Communities for Veterans, uh, support your Legion because as much as, you know, I did mention earlier about some issues with Legions, there's a, there's a strong young group working really hard to get into the Legions and, and kind of bring them around and bring the understanding. And, and I, I do see the Legion uh, evolving. Ours in Veilmount is awesome. The Branch in Jasper is amazing. The one in PG Great. is coming yeah. along. Like, and these are the three that I touch that I'm connected with. I've never been to another Legion. I uh, will openly state that right now. Like, I've never even been into a VFW in the state. So let's be clear. I've been into a few Legions in yeah. Canada. But, um, it, you know, being, uh, being connected with those guys, it's amazing. And that is an organization completely designed to support veterans. But beyond that, uh, in Canada, the Veterans Transition Fund, uh, which is based out of uh, Vancouver, does work helping veterans find their new mission and move straight from their service or post-service into a new mission so that they don't lose their way a bit. Um, The Emergency Transition Service, uh, is another key one that deals more with veterans in an emergency situation homeless veterans, things like that and then uh, Canadian Military Family Fund is part of the entire chain of uh, Canadian, the Soldier On Fund, etc. that's organized through the, kind of as an offshoot of Canadian Military, any of those are really good uh, to give to Pilgrim Bandits I mentioned um, and and uh, those are the primary canadian ones and you can look back in our archive of facebook posts as far as the ones that we've donated to we do announce our red friday um charity remember every deployed soldier um which we do every friday in the brewery um
0: so yeah thank you no thank you mike so yeah uh thank you guys for listening uh this one got a little bit heavy towards the end um yeah, support support your veterans. Like I, I know we have listeners from all over the world. Every every country has been affected by war in some way, and so you have to have veterans there. Um, you know, if, if if you don't really have money to to donate, swing by, um, talk to the veteran. It's always nice to hear some stories, and they probably don't mind sharing. It's probably good for them. So, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, stay tuned for chapter three with Mike Lewis. Have a good night, guys.